It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And actually, it's Condo, it's a trouble time, which means it's Zolgad, Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune sports columnist extraordinaire, and of course, executive <laughs> producer Declan Goff. Chipper, are you excited for the National Hockey League playoffs? Golden Knights and Wild start on Sunday afternoon. I'm really excited. Um... You know, I think it's going to be – It's worth, I'm, I'm writing this for Sunday, Judd. And, you know, it's not to say that Wild's going to win or, or um, I'm not saying they're favored or anything, but it feels different um, versus previous playoff times for the Wild, trips for the Wild, because of – you feel like they have competent goaltending. Mm-hmm. And you also feel like – what was the narrative that we heard after every single playoff ouster – we had our chances. We got scoring chances. We were there, but we just couldn't finish it. We had no, you know, we didn't finish our chances. Yep. Now, it's like they have a couple guys that, hey, we need a goal, go score one. So they have guys that can step up and score goals and not need a puck to go off someone's butt or puck luck or whatever. Um, and, and both Caprizov, uh, uh, off and, and Fiala. And so um, not, that's not to say that they're, you know, that they don't have deficiencies, but it just feels like um, it doesn't feel hopeless going into this playoffs to me. I agree completely. Yeah. And it feels like I, I think the most important starting point for me is, is the fact that you at least have the hope that Cam Talbot can have a good series because mm-hmm. I mean, at some point in time with Dubnik, it just got to be like, well, you know, there's going to be a weird goal or there's going to be two weird goals. Yeah. And, and Chip, we never said, I don't remember how many times that we said that Dubnik won a playoff game, much less a series, which, I mean, you sometimes need your goaltenders in the course of a playoff series, especially if if you're going to make a run to win you games, multiple games. Um, And how many times did we get done with, you know, a first or second round loss and say, Devin Dubnik was really good. I don't remember it ever really. No. And it, um, and he, I mean, he obviously had some, Good games. I don't know if you'd call them spectacular, but there's always that, like you said, that thing in the back of your mind, like, when's it coming? Yep. You know it's coming. And if if fans and media felt that, you think players didn't feel that? Of course they did. Of course they did. And, you know, I'm sure they went on the ice thinking, you know, we better score four goals because odds are Doobie's going to give up a weird one at some point. And so, um, yeah, I just feel like you have a goaltender – um, that you that you feel like is more reliable, and it just feels like you have a deeper lineup in terms of being able to get production 
than what we've seen in the past. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I was thinking back this morning to those Blackhawks series and just, you know, when the Blackhawks needed a goal, Taves or Kane was going to go to score one, right? And it's just, you just knew it was going to happen, and they did. We saw, I think, I look back, there was a 1-0 game, and I think it might have been 15 where Kane just beat uh, Dubnik, and and that was the difference. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, we know uh, playoff hockey's tighter checking and it's harder to score, but with these two teams, you feel like it's going to be a little more wide open kind of run and gun? Or do we think it's still going to be tightly, you know, hard to uh, get scoring chances and as wide open as what we think it might be? I think it's going to be tight, but I also think it's going to be, if this makes sense, I think it's going to be tight, but I think it's going to be tight at high speed. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know that it's going to be offensively like a like a show, fireworks. But the great thing about this sport now is is so many teams and the Golden Knights and Wild are two examples of this. Chip have phenomenal skill players and speed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I do think the starting point of the biggest difference, though, back to what you said, is Kaprizov. You now at least have your guy, and we'll, we'll f- find out if this comes to fruition in the playoffs. But you now have your guy that you think can counter. Yeah, like, like you know, I, I mean. Zach for years. Hey, can pre- well, you knew he could yeah. score that key goal. You now at least have a guy that can, that has the ability to score that goal that you desperately need. And I'm sorry, but, um, 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 uh, Foligno can't score that goal. Yeah. Well, you know, as the game that you and I are at, uh, last Friday night, awful game. And I know it's against Anaheim and they're terrible, you know, they yeah. have the worst team, but, but that game was just, you know, that, that that reeked of a team not respecting your opponent. I mean, they were trying things that the while wasn't, you know, some of the passes and the turnovers, and it just it just was not good. The whole game was a debacle. But it gets to overtime. And, you know, the rookie says, all right, I've had enough of this. Yes. And you're saying, are they going to have Rask in the second shift? You're telling me that. Let's think lasted 17 seconds. He skates up the ice, shoots the puck, gets the rebound, scores. Yep. Game over. And it just felt like. And, and granted, the, the opponent's awful, but we've seen him against good teams. When it's clutch time and you need something to happen, he will go do it. And so that's where this team just feels different. And I'm curious to see if he can kind of carry that over to the postseason where everything's magnified and you know he's going to be – when they're putting up their scouting report, it, he's number one on the list, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. And, and so how's that – does that change anything? You know, I'm, I'm just fascinated to see how he handles – you know, the the bigger stage because he hasn't been, you know, the, the regular season wasn't, a, the stage definitely wasn't too big for him. And now I'm fascinated to see how he's going to handle playoffs too. And I'm really curious to see, um, so the last game that these two teams played, which was on the 5th of this month, there was a 3-2 Vegas OT win. And there were a couple key things that happened. One, Kaprizov uh, scored both of the Wilds' goals in that game. And late, second of right? all, late, yep, third period. In fact, they had a 2-1 lead. I think Vegas tied it up then late and won in overtime. But what I'm really, what I really liked about that game was not the Kaprizov goals. It was at, it was in the first period where it was really clear that the Golden Knights were like, we're going to beat this kid up and see how he does. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of star players that would shrink and be like, oh my God, I what what's going on here? And that was a precursor 
by the Golden Knights to see if that would translate to the playoffs. Because if he had gone away in that game, they would have said, we're on to something here, right? Yeah. But yeah. but he stood up for himself. He wasn't dumb about it, but he definitely stood up for him himself. Felino did too. But I like the fact, because he's strong, I like the fact that Kaprizov came yeah. right back at them. And then he scored two goals. And that, to me, sent a, a warning flare to the Golden Knights that if you think that you're going to come in and and – you know, Mark Kaprizov on the chalkboard as the top threat, which they will do and try and beat him up. He ain't going away because of that. Yeah. And it, it almost felt like that was a, uh, a message or a something be, that they were throwing out there for the playoffs to say, guess what? If we have to play you, this is what it's going to be like. And the fact that he did stand up and he wrestled the, you know, the guy to the ground and, and didn't shy away. And not only did he not, did it not throw him off his game. He came back and, you know, he has, you know, that's the game where he batted the one out of the air, right? And then he, yep. then he uh, off the face-off, grabbed the, the loose puck there and just whipped around and, and threw a laser in there. So not only did it not disrupt him, like he elevated his game and made him mad and he, <laughs> he came back full force on him. So that was good to see. Um, but I also think that it also shows that you know, he's not 18 or 19 years old. He's been playing against men for a while now at, at a high level. And so um, he's at a different – yes, he's a rookie uh, in, in label. Um, but he's played at – you know, he's played in the Olympics. He's played professionally against men. So he's, he's uh, you know, he's kind of – Yeah, he's seen the stage before. Tested that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But um, so what – what do, do you make of the fact that the Wild was 5-1-2 and two against the Knights during the course of the season? Now, what's interesting is, of those eight games, six were decided by one goal. And here's the really weird stat. So the Golden Knights came in, went to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Capitals their first year, and have been a really successful, good franchise. Mm-hmm. And the Wild all-time, 11-2-3. and three. I know. So like, yeah, it's... like, if you were going to get Colorado, St. Louis, or the Golden Knights, you very clearly got the first round matchup that that you wanted, uh, but I don't know if this translates at all. Yeah, is to it this? You know, without having studied every game, is it? You know, the old thing that some sometimes you match up better against one team than another. I mean, like the St. Louis. I mean, obviously, they're, <laughs> that's probably a team that they did not want to play in the first round, right? Oh, um, absolutely not. No. They so I don't know. Is it as simple as sometimes you just match up better against a certain team than another? Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, yeah, the Blues are the one team. But I know why the Blues are so tough. Why? The, yeah. They're built for the playoffs. And here's what, yeah. they, here's what they have. They have really – they have some really skilled players. They have the ability to slow you down and, mm-hmm. to beat, and to beat you up. And it's legitimate. They beat you up. They're, they're like I, – I would liken them uh, to, to what – what we saw when the Vikings played San Fran a couple of years ago in that playoff game and yes. up front, they just kicked their ass like, yeah, like, on both sides. On like both it sides. wasn't yeah. subtle. It was, we're going to kick your ass. And they did. And my feeling is the blues have that the blues, the blues to me go back very much to being similar to those Kings teams that won two cups, big, heavy, skilled enough. And, and the interesting thing is I, aside from, from the unbelievable goal that Kaprizov scored against Bennington at some point at the X this season, Chip. Yeah. The Blues are the one team that had the ability to slow Kaprizov, and they didn't make him mad. They they literally were able to take him off his game 
Yeah. And and they and it seemed to be fairly consistent. That was impressive. I always I'm always uh impressed when a team, no matter what, you know, whether it's basketball or hockey or whatever, can dictate the terms of how a game is played. Yes. Right? And yes. kind of because you, if you have contrasting styles, whether it's, you know, hockey where we're going to slow it down and be physical and or basketball where we're going to speed it up and we're going to play this game super fast. And you, you, you know, you're like, we don't want to do that. And then you find out you're still doing it. You know, yes. you caught up into that trap. You get caught up into that trap of you go in saying, okay, we can't play fast or we do have to, we have to play fast. We can't let them dictate uh, the pace or the terms how it's going to be played. And the teams that are really good still find a way to do it. And it's, it, you know, it infuriates teams because they're like, God, this is exactly what we told ourselves we're not going to do. And we got caught up in that trap. So, yep. um, so that you know, if if you know somehow they they win or whatever, and they and they face St. Louis, that'd be uh, it'd be interesting to see if they could counter that and get the type of game that they want played. And this is why Chip that probably the biggest disparity from re- regular season to playoffs mm-hmm. in any sport is is hockey. The hockey mm-hmm. playoffs are a different. Like if you, cause it's, it's a long series. And if you figure out how to slow a guy down, like if you take Kaprizov off his game, the dynamic shifts completely. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the, you, you can't, it's can't be like gooning it up. You're not fighting, but if, yeah. you, can, but if you could do what the blues do, which the cliche is they play a heavy game. Mm-hmm. It, cha- it changes things. And I do think that the blues are going to give the abs fits because they're yeah. going to frustrate them. Um, if Bennington gets hot, he's probably the best goalie in that series. I, I am not going to be completely shocked if the Avs get ousted by the blues. I think it's a long series, but I just, I love how St. Louis is built. You know, one thing I I love about, uh, NHL playoffs versus, you know, NBA or whatever, just when you have a long series, the ebbs and flows of a long series, uh, the emotion, the swings, especially if you have, you know, when you have teams winning on each other's home ice and then it's like, okay, now the pressure shifts back here. No, the yeah. pressure shifts back here. And yeah. then the team's desperate. And then it's, it's amazing. It's, it's like a, like a little mini soap opera, how, you know, one win can change the entire dynamic and tenor of a series. And I love that. Game about- one. Yeah. Game one, right? Like, like yeah, all the pressure's on, them. Yeah. on Sunday. Now, now home ice is gone. Oh my God. Vegas is getting tight. Yeah. And it's, you know, and then, and then it swings back the other way. And it's just um, – that's what I love about it. It's just like each series, especially when they go seven games, because it, it's, you know, it's just kind of back and forth, and each team takes a turn feeling desperate or feeling pretty good, you know. It's yes. Just, and yes. it's uh, – it, you know, like that – you know, I, I always think about how much fun we had in that 2003 playoff run. Just think about that. The Wild won six straight elimination games. I know. They just – they were dead twice. Yeah, I mean, and, and just how those series went, and just you feel like, you know, every day, okay, this is it. Well, no, they, you know, they saved it off. No, this is it. No, they saved yeah. it alive. I mean, it's just there's you just don't really get that um, very often, like in the NBA playoffs. I mean, well, it's and the, the great thing is, the, the great thing about that, and what I learned is, you know. You're down 3-1, which is uh, daunting. It's a daunting deficit. And the interesting thing was when you win game five, to what you're yes. saying, all the pressure goes to the team that was up 3-1. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, my God. God. Lose another one. 
we lose another yeah. one. Now we're at game seven and game sevens can be coin flips. Yeah. Um, so, so that's where I will say this. The people that, that scoff at momentum are correct there. Like, I think there's momentum in games for sure, but in a series, it can, it switches. I mean, it can go back yeah. and forth really quick. Oh, I think without a doubt, because I think it does creep into the locker room that, oh my God, we had a big lead, 3-1, that's a big league. Now all of a sudden, if we lose it, you know, if you lose game five and then, well, we can't, we can't let it go to game seven because then, then you, then it starts building, right? That pressure on, and so it's, um, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's built in drama, right? Yeah. Because yeah. of the, um, you know, just the nature. And, and the other thing is, is unlike basketball, basketball, the best, most talented teams going to win where we've seen it, you know, millions of times where a team just completely outplay another, but you get a hot goalie steals a game. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. how is that? That that's the one thing I always say about hockey is like, I love it, but I hate it because you can see a team just completely dominate a game and lose. And because you just have a, a goalie who makes sensational saves and all of a sudden that's gotta be maddening if you're in a locker room and you're thinking, man, we did everything yeah. except beat this one guy <laughs> with, one, yeah. with, you know, Absolutely. And so that's, that's where, you know, I don't, I don't know that there are such things as upsets in the NHL playoffs. I'm sure there are by, you know, by the betting, you know, odds and all that, but right. just probably, purposes i don't know that there is and the interesting thing about what you're saying too is is how a hot goalie against you can make you so tight like Mm -hmm. if a goaltender like if a goaltender plays well all of a sudden it's that one guy who's got the opposing room saying oh my god is this going to really continue like are we gonna and they and that team starts to press then and it almost plays into the guy's hands it's it's just such an interesting as you put it, soap opera or such an interesting dance to watch about how mm-hmm. things shift and about how one player, how one guy can change how a team feels. And now they, they've gone from being confident to being like, boy, he stopped another shot. What's going to happen now? And then they start to take bet. You know, it's just a really, really fun process. Well, you look at this with the wild. Would you be surprised if any of these four teams emerged? Uh, no, not really. No. I mean, even if the Wild did, you, you might say I'm a little surprised, but yeah, but not shocked. You'd be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm stunned! How did this happen?" Because we've seen him play well. If Talbot plays like Talbot is going to have to play. I mean, that yeah. will be why. If Kaprizov can score the big goals and Talbot plays um, like he needs to, then I think if you watch it, you won't be stunned. You'll be a little bit surprised, but you won't be stunned. Yeah, you would be like, "Ah, oh, this came out of nowhere," you know, yeah. not that like. Um, so yeah, but it, it, you're right. It. With the wild, it, it you know it does come down to the goaltending and can, can Talbot be good? Um, I assume he they ride him all the way through, probably right. Oh, he'll play every game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not no, uh, you know, especially with especially with the day off. Yeah. I mean, you don't need and and can he get can he get the timely goalie, uh, timely goal from you know Fiala or Kaprizov? Thoughts on the fact that it looks almost certain that Zach Parisi will be a healthy scratch for the entire playoffs unless somebody gets hurt. Well, you know it's funny, Judd. Like uh, as I mentioned earlier, that the game that you and I went to the other uh, last week, Friday night against Anaheim, mm-hmm. and as bad as it, they played, but they did have a couple stretches there in the second period where they scored a couple goals, and just the passing and speed and playmaking, it's a totally different game than we've seen from the Wild. I mean, this is a totally different style of play, and when you see it. <clears throat> 
when you see it in person, um, it does not surprise me that he would be the odd man out. I think they're just trying to go faster, younger and faster. And he just, um, you know, would having his experience, though, benefit in the playoffs? Maybe. We'll see if somebody, you know, if, if a player struggles in game one, could he, you know, draw back in game two? I could see that happening, Joe, because he does have a lot of playoff experience to just have it on the sideline there, you know, sure. press box. So, um, but I just think the way their style of play and how fast and, and the way they want to play it, it doesn't really surprise me. What's the divorce like then? Like this, yeah, has, that's, that's, this has to end. That's, that's the interesting thing is like, clearly he doesn't fit with what they're doing. Um, yet, you know, was he scoreless in nine games when he got scratched? Yes. Yes. So he's he's not productive. He's not getting any minutes. He's playing as few minutes as anybody on the team. Um, I don't know. Like, what would his trade value be at his age, Judd? I mean, not with that contract, almost nothing. thirty-eight in that contract. Would he retire? I, I mean, don't think so. He may he may not I be there. It's it's going to be a pain in the ass financially, Chip. But I think I think they might have to basically buy him out i think that might be the because I, I mean if you get a team to take him that's going to be a they're doing you a major favor deal and so you're yeah. gonna have to take some stuff back uh but i just but i mean it can't go on too like, like you just can't s- sit there and be like well he's got four years left on his contract yeah, we're gonna have it that's not gonna be tenable but you only has one more year of big money right and i say big money yeah but the cap hits remain consistent and that's yeah and, and so you want to shed that if you can and the thing is, is like if he can't crack your lineup now, I mean they're going to have more oh. guys next year. That yeah, I mean, how many of these guys? Um, yeah, Boldy and uh, well, yeah. No, you're right. And how many of these guys were one year deals? That uh, Bonino is, Johansson is. Mo- most of those guys are. Pete's I mean, dead. I, I, you know, I assume a few of those guys are going to come back though, right? I think Benino, I think if I think in their perfect world, Benino would come back and Ian Cole on defense would come back. Um yeah. I think Johansson's probably gone, which is fine. Bukestead, if he wants to come back, is probably good, would would have to take a deal totally on the wild's terms again. Um so yeah, but I and, and they've got prospects coming up too, Chip. Well that's I, the thing. Yeah. They've got some prospects now. I but but I mean you can't I don't think you can sit Zach in the playoffs and then be, be like, let's work on no. things for next year. I think he's going to say, I want to play and I'm not playing here. Well, and that's the thing. It's like you're not gonna you're not gonna scratch him at the end of the season and send him in the playoffs and then say because he clearly doesn't fit with what they're trying to do. So right. he, he's not gonna fit a year. He's gonna be a year older next year, and you got more guys coming in. So he just. But it, it will be fascinating to see. You know, obviously, that if they could trade him, they'd love to. Uh, if he would retire, they would probably love that too. But he may just. He may feel like he still has some hockey left and doesn't want to retire. He so. won't want to go out like this. Like this. No, is he'll sad. want to do this it on his sad. terms. Yeah, yeah, he'll want to do it on his terms. Um, not forced into retirement. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I mean, it's obviously. I, I just don't. I don't see him back, one way or the other. Yep. In fact, I I think this summer for Bill Guerin, I Chip, I think this is going to be because I don't think that this team is going to make a run. They might win a no. series, but I don't see them making a run. But I think that this summer is going to be the off season where we find out um, if Bill Guerin can make the moves to make a run. Because like I, I do yeah. think they're close. I do think they're close. Um, and I think if he pulls the right strings in July and August of this year, 
I think you could be looking at a team that has a legitimate chance to make a Stanley Cup run next season. Yeah, and it's um, – I really like Garen when you talk to him. Oh, I mean, it, he, yeah. I, I talked to him for a, a column I did on Dean Evison about why he's stuck with the guy who wasn't his guy. And, and you know, he's funny. He said, I only care about two things, team and winning. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care your status. I don't care your contract. I don't care past. I don't care about anything. Team and winning. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he is going to mold it. And and and, and he did benefit from Paul Fenton, you know, some of the moves that Paul Fenton made uh, and even Chuck Fletcher, you know. Yep. Um, but I do think he has a clear vision of the style of play he wants to play, the type of player he wants, the type of locker room he wants, and he does not care about hurting feelings to get that. But, you know, and Cole, to me, were, were so important because they exemplify that. And they, uh-huh. they, of course, won cups with the Penguins when Bill was an executive with Pittsburgh. But, I mean, if you look at how – and we we obviously, as we've talked about before, don't go in the room now, so we don't get to see all the dynamics. But if you look at how they're wired and the stability that they bring and uh-huh. and how many years this franchise didn't have that. They didn't have that guy. And Fenton saw that too. I, I mean, Fenton made some trades that were definitely – I've got to start picking apart this room because it doesn't work from a, from a standpoint of chemistry. So he yes. saw that too. But I love the fact that, that a guy who was a captain in Bill Guerin in this league that won two Stanley Cups as a player and then two as an executive saw this through because he knows you're right. He knows exactly what the line is between I need good players and I need players that fit as, as well. And while the firing of Fletcher was necessary because Chuck was so in love with players that had to go, he does mm-hmm. get he does get credit for drafting Kaprizov. So like they all did, yeah. they all did contribute in their own way towards where this franchise is right now. Yeah, I mean, whether it's you know him drafting Kaprizov, Fenton bringing in Fiala, um, but I, I agree to your your point about Benito Cole. I didn't even throw Felino in there. He seems oh, like no, you're right. Those three guys just bring a veteran presence, leadership, toughness, the right kind of uh, leadership you need. It just seems like a this group. I know you like to call them the furious rallies or whatever it is, but well, th- but there's a resolve about this group. This right? group doesn't feel like that though. Like yeah, like that, that that group was like, oh, we're down. Let's start trying hard. That was fake I, hustle. <laughs> I, yeah, fake hustle is a perfect word. I I don't feel I don't feel the furious rally about this group. They've done it before, but I don't think it comes from a place of dogging it for the first two yeah. periods. Yeah, no, um, very few times like that. I keep you know alluding to the one game we went to, uh, the Anaheim game. That was a bad game, but by and large, it's like if they fall behind, it wasn't just because they. Falling behind, but they, there is something about this team that you feel like they always have a chance because they have some goal scores. Yes, like, you know, it just feels like, and maybe that's unfair to Kaprizov, you know, a, a rookie. But you always kind of feel like, all right, do that thing where you <laughs> do your magic, don't score a goal. You yep. just have this. We've seen it so much from him that you just kind of feel like, okay, at some point he's going to turn it on and do something spectacular, and they're going to have the lead. You know, and nobody is bigger than the team, which was not the case for a long time. There's no one yes. person or there's no two people or three. And I, I was always asked why I objected to Koibu as captain, because 
the response is, well, it does. who cares? Like, I mean, the, the team knows who leads and who's not. I would say this now in retrospect, after a year of watching Spurgeon as captain, you can, you can have the right guy as captain and have other guys, Benino, Cole, Felino, who are also captains. If, if Spurgeon, which he does, understands his role. Mm-hmm. Koivu thought he was captain and sort of, I think, objected to the other guys trying to lead. And that created, so, so I think if you have the right person, I mean, I think Jared, I think that move in retrospect now, well, while I said it should be Felino at the time, I sort of like it because I think it empowers Spurgeon and I think he's done a really good job, but it's crystal clear that if I was to pick who leads this team, I would say Benino, Cole, Felino before Jared. Yeah. But Jared gets his role, and I think he does a, yeah. a good job. With Koivu, it was always the surliness of, well, this is my team, and I'm doing And it's like, no, it's not, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and, that, and then Suter and Parisi tried to in, interject what they did. And that's why. And he had the young group. Yeah. And he had the young group. It's, and it's Yo told function. you guys that. And Yo told yeah. you guys that. He flat out said they never meshed. Yeah. I mean, it was just like you had like little factions, little cliques that yep. just didn't work. How much, how much do we. Okay. So th- this team is better than what we thought. I don't think many people thought they would finish, you know, in top 10 points. Um, I think people said if things break right, they might, you know, sneak in one of those. But I said fourth. They're clearly a a surprise team. How much do we, you know, we credit all that, the leadership, just the better chemistry, everything, versus, they got a superstar. Oh, that's the biggest. That's the starting point. (laughs) But but yeah. I but I also think Kaprizov could have been undermined to a large degree by the former club. Like I'm glad he doesn't yeah. have to put up with that because he he's he's not a young man at 24, but he's still going to be impressionable. I mean, this is his yeah, first season, yeah. and and I in a new country and new and, everything. And, yeah. and here's the most important thing, and this is what the old Wild wouldn't have done, and these guys did. They agree with us. They look at Kaprizov and say, I mean, Felino flat out said he's a superstar. Like for yeah. all for all Dean tries to say, everyone contributes. You guys don't understand. Marcus Foligno went to the mic and said he's a superstar. Yeah, yeah. Um, think about the old group, and think about the factions. Kaprizov would have been a star. I'm not saying he wouldn't have, but at a very impressionable time in his career here, he also would have had people pulling at, at him. Hey, I'm the leader of this team. No, I right. And mm-hmm. so I think it's incredibly important that he is a superstar. He's the most important piece of this team, but the team's willing to accept that, which yeah. is a thing in sports that's important. Well, it's funny when you hear the, when you hear the players talk about him, they have a little reverence about his, his skill too, because they're like, yeah, that guy's special. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that. so they, I mean, they, they know, I mean, players, you know, they're not dumb. They see what a guy does on the ice. You're like, yeah, we, we couldn't do that. that. There's only a few people that can do what that kid does. Um, yeah. And so, but they also, yeah, I, and I, that's why I, I give Dean credit um, that he has created or helped create. It's, it's kind of flows from the top with, um, from Garen, but, and I know people roll their eyes at culture, but I think there is something to it. I mean, we talk about, you know, how uh, chemistry to me, culture is chemistry. It's the same thing, you know, um, setting the, the, you know, the mood in the um, being disciplined or demanding, being, you know, demanding of players, but also getting the best out of them, which is not easy to do. When you're managing personalities and egos and all that, yep. you're, you know, he scratched Preezy, he benched Fiala, he's done different things, he's moved line, 
but he's still and like you said, we're not in the locker room to hear what guys, you know, say about personality and stuff, but it seems like he does a good job of drawing the best out of these guys. And so yeah. I, I think he does deserve credit for setting the the environment or the culture there. I'm saying Golden Knights in six. What is your prediction? Yeah, I would say maybe Golden Knights. I think it's, you know, I think it'll be a long series. Uh, it'd be sun if it's not. Uh, I would say six or seven, and I'll give Golden Knights just because they, you know, they have a little more history. Uh, goaltending too. Yeah. They've got a lot of goaltending. Um, speaking of chemistry and culture, let's go. There. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let's go there. Let me, let me pull <laughs> up my handy dandy. Let me pull up my handy dandy old school legal pad here. I want to flip to my notes from hockey to uh, the Minnesota twins, five game road trip. One and one and four. They had a game rained out in, in Detroit. Look, let me give you um, three stats that jumped off the page when I looked them up. Five games, okay? Chips, Goggins, um, mm-hmm. three against the White Sox, two against the Tigers. Five games. 53 men left on base. Runners in, score, runners in scoring position, 11 for 60, 183 average. And in game two against the White Sox, five of 12. So if you take that out, it's worse than that. And then bullpen ERA in the five games, 882. I mean, where do you even start here? And I will tell you this. Here's where I start. I think they have to do something um, because right now there is, and I'm shocked I'm saying this, there's no accountability for this. No. Like, I think you have to make a a move that might come off as a sort of a cliched move just to try and wake some people up because this is is awful. They're the worst team in baseball. Yeah, and it's – Thad Levine was on this road trip with him, and I saw – he did a Zoom with the writers and basically shot down the idea that they'd be sellers because there's – in everything you hear from the organization to do, they're still trying to get their arms around their, the shock of all this happening because they didn't see this coming. It's like, well, guess what? It happened. This is who you are. Right. It's, it's not early anymore. I mean, it's just not. And, um, you know, I know they – what was this thing? First two months, you see what you have. Next two months, you do something. Well, you're going to be so far behind the pack that you're not going to have a choice if you wait. Not improving. This is not – your bullpen is a disaster at this point. You're hitting your lineup. You have guys that are just not, you know, good. And so I agree. I You know, I know what the fans want. I don't know that that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I don't see him fire Rocco. I mean, I know the fans. No, won't, but um, I agree. No, they won't. But, but, um, you know, I don't know what what move would 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 ignite this team because I think their problems are so widespread. It's you know, it's not just the bullpen. It's not just the clutch hitting. It's yep. You know. I'm just saying a move to shake things up to wake pe- people up. I mean, it's like they are zombies going through baseball games. Yeah, it, like, it is. I mean, it, like they're just sleepwalking. I, I mean, I would, I would love to at least have access to the clubhouse because oh, yeah. we, we saw 2019 and how fantastic that was. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to see what sort of happened here. Yeah, because the when you look at him, I'm still one of your lines. Like, there's no there there. Like, no. watch him. There's like, there's nothing. It's just every day is Groundhog Day with this team. It's like you come out, maybe you lead, your bullpen falters, you don't get clutch hitting when you need it. And it's just like, 
Okay, another loss. Next day, it's the same thing. So I, you know, I, 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 you know, I know they're flabbergasted and stunned by how bad this team is, but if you keep saying that, that's not changing anything. Well, and that's not an excuse to not do anything. Exactly. I mean, that's not going to. Yeah, we're all stunned that they're. Yeah, we're all. Yeah, but you've got to like. You can't just say, well, we didn't see it coming and we're shocked and therefore we're going to stand pat. Like, I mean, that see you next year. that doesn't work. And by the way, the most important thing, the most important thing in, in lots of walks of life, including sports, is how you handle a crisis. Sure. Like 2019 was great. And it was great fun. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, Chip, their longest losing streak was like three games or, so, or four yeah, games. That's what it was, yeah. Like, I, like there was no adversity there. There's adversity now. You know, go pull the fire alarm. Do something. Well, and that's the thing. Um, we talked about Rocco that year, and I think we all applauded his approach and kind of staying back and letting the, the clubhouse kind of self-police, if that's the right word, because yes. you had crews and you had good leadership in there. Yes. But that's also when they hit a record home runs and they were just blowing teams off the field because they were hitting five home runs a game. And I'm, I'm not saying that was easy to manage, but there were a lot fewer problems in strategic issues and things that Rocco had to uh, handle and deal with. Well, you have a mess on your hands and he just doesn't look like he's capable of fixing it. You know I mean? Just, he's had a, you know, he's had his own issues and um, you know, the, 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 the organizational philosophy with the starting pitching is remains of, I just don't get it. Although, I think it was, I forgot who it was. It might have been Aaron Gleeman that tweeted that they're fourth, their stars are fourth in innings. Yeah, but, but here's the problem with, with, with that. that. That's where stats lie. Um, that's all their starters. Like we're taught, like we've had chip in-depth discussions about certain guys. Let, yes. go. Yeah. Let Barrios go. Let like Barrios. Shoemaker. I don't care. Have a quick hook. Don't give me the rotation. Let's break yeah. down individual. And, and that's where, that's where there's a big difference between I use, um, I use statistics and charts to do things and I'm actually watching the game and paying attention. Correct. And yeah. like, like Pineda yesterday, you let him get to a hundred pitches. You're hemorrhaging. Like you're yeah. dying here. You don't go get him and be like, well, he give, okay. He was in trouble. Guess what's going to be trouble. And it was if the bullpen comes in. So, yeah. so like, don't give me like, Oh, and the fourth starters throwing this man. I don't give a crap. Those three well, guys. And we've talked about it. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is it's an organizational philosophy where it's just like blanket. No yeah. matter who it is. And there's no, it's, it's just robotic. And Chip Pineda is probably going to be traded. He's on a so one-year yeah. contract. Have him throw 140 pitches. Like, he's not yeah. in your future, probably. Well, um, and I've... Yeah, it's just... It's a bizarre mentality, and you're right. It's a blueprint. And I've said this, too. Like, I don't know, like... And maybe they have the analytics to, to back it up, but show me where Jose Brio's throwing an extra 12 to 15 pitches every five days is going to ruin his career. I mean, I know. Then you short. Then you shorten the the workload on your bullpen, and you you know it's just. Well, you don't have a good enough bull. I mean, at some time, at some point in time, you have to acknowledge you screwed up because they did, and say, okay, how are we going to make up for that? And go and and by the way, I've now become convinced that this whole thing of going and hooking guys while Rocco is the face of it, it's certainly not all, all him because if you recall. 
Megan talked to Falvey in Oakland or after that disastrous trip and the game where Blankenhorn booted the ball and arrives yeah. the ball away. And they, and they pinch ran for Donaldson at second base in the 10th, which by the way, I personally did not have a problem with, but Falvey did. And Falvey essentially told her flat out. we I talked to Rocco about some things. Like I fixed, like I told him, I, yeah. I didn't like what he did. Well, clearly the starting pitching was not in that equation because it hasn't changed since. So this is a signed off on blueprint from the top down. But what's weird is it's the top that screwed up the bullpen, not Rocco. So yeah. wouldn't you say to yourself, okay, when it comes to Pineda Rocco, we're going to have to let him go. I mean, let, let him blow the game himself. Yeah. That's preferable well, to your ground, to the groundhog day of the bullpen. And and I, I think everything this, and I'm, I'm not just saying that Rocco doesn't have some leeway to make manager decisions, but I think philosophically, they always talk about collaboration and we're one and we're on a, yep. I think everything, something that, uh, you know, something that big and, and widespread in terms of starter uses, that's not a Rocco thing. That hundred percent comes from as an organizational philosophy that this is just what we believe and this is what we're sticking to. And right. he's the one that has to es- execute it. And so, you know, I would love to know what happened if he said, you know what, screw it. I'm doing, I'm going to, I'm going to, what would be the fallout from that? If he just, he, forget that, I'm Pineda. You're going. You know what? He must. Innings. He must think his job is safer by going along with their philosophy, e- even if it costs them games. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this goes back to the playoffs. This goes yeah. back. And he, here's my biggest question about everything now. And I asked this question about Rocco after the Yankees and then the Astros series, but I will now expand the question chip to include Falvey, Levine and the front office. What are you learning? What are they learning? Like, this is a learning lesson. If nothing else, it's a learning. Yeah. Like, this is a valuable, and those guys are young. I mean, they're not old, crusty yeah. baseball men in their 60s. Um, This is an opportunity to learn. What are you learning from this? Because if you don't learn, like, if you're just like, we got to fix it, and, th- and then it's done, that's a lost opportunity for valuable lessons. I know, I know Pat's been, uh, Royce's been harping on this a lot lately, but it's like, where are they developing pitchers at? I know. I mean, the pitching has improved. When you look at the stats, and that, I mean, they were, what, third or fourth in overall ERA last year, and so it has gotten a lot better. But it's been, you know, older guys they brought in and and the young arms. I was talking to him, at, you know, about the uh, when I was writing about the bullpen a couple weeks ago. He's like, look at St. Paul's roster. There is nobody there. I mean, the one, um, Johan. Um, Duran. Duran. Um is the one guy you might point to, but it's like where where are reinforcements coming from? They're not. And de- he's hurt. Yeah, and he's and he's coming back from the shoulder stuff. Yep. Where's where? Who are they developing here? Right. And so the, I think that's something you have to you look at. And the other thing is, and I, maybe it's the major league, maybe it's the you know league wide thing that you you turn the bullpen over every year, or every couple of years because it's just the nature of that thing, but they have to be second guessing big time. Like, okay, we had way too many question marks and unknowns going into this year at, at that in, with that group. Yes. Yes. And I, I mean, the column a signing has been a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, the White Sox clearly saw something like the White well, Sox have to be laughing that a division opponent, they're supposedly was going to be their closest foe signed him. They have to be laughing at that. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, there's just a lot. But I mean, there's so many lessons that can be. I mean, this is a disaster for for the, this team. This is a complete disaster. And and but my my problem to backtrack Chip to Baldelli was that Yankee series taught him nothing. No, it taught no. the team nothing. It taught. It didn't teach anybody. Hey, Jose Barrios been really good. You know, ordinarily we hook him, but how about we don't hook him today? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was the, just you know, no. And and. Like the Sano thing. They keep waiting on Fool's Gold, I guess. I don't know. Well, now he's not playing. He, he didn't play two or three games in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, just a healthy sitting on the bench. And and Chip Ostadio's playing. If it were Kirloff, I'd be like, yeah, yeah I, I totally get this. It's Ostadio. <laughs> he is a part-time player. I mean, I championed in 2019 for Ostadio not to be sent down based on one thing, clubhouse chemistry. Yeah. It never had to do No. But, but I mean, guys genuinely liked him, which was awesome. But I never, ever said that guy should be a big league player playing much. Every day, you know. But, but I mean, and I know he can hit, but what I told Mac, Mackie last week was if Williams Ostadio is playing an important role on your team, your team's bad. You have a problem. Yeah. And so what do you do with Snow? You know, I mean, just try to trade him, but what, what, what's the value? I I don't know at this point. I don't know at this point. I honestly don't. That on that one, I don't know. I mean, he's twenty eight, right? Didn't he just turn twenty eight? Yes, he's. This he's who you are. This is. Who, I mean, you, every time you, you say you know they should trade, and people are like, "Oh, great!" You know, he'll be the the next Ortiz. No, he's not. <laughs> no. Do you know what he is? And this is a sad statement right now. He's the next Oswaldo Garcia. Yeah. At at the rate he's going, Miguel Sano will be a Mexico City Red before he'll be a Cincinnati Red. Yeah, I mean that's just him. And he, and he has what two two more years on a contract? Uh, one year after this, one more year. Yeah, yeah one more three year. Uh, three years at thirty million. So, um, and he's their what third highest paid player? Yep. And they go Donaldson, Cruz, and him. Yep. And he's unplayable. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so, I mean, and it's just, you know, how do you fix that, Judd? I mean, how do, how do you fix that? How do you fix the bullpen at this point? Well, you- I think you got to do something to try and wake guys up because I think there are some guys just who are flat out asleep at the wheel right now, and yeah. I don't know why, and I don't know what that if, if it's because the chemistry has gone really bad, which it certainly yeah. looks like it might have. I have no idea what role Donaldson is playing off the field. I mean, that guy's wound yeah. tight. He came here to win a World Series, not for this. Um, so well, I think we thought he, got, he would be the yeah. We thought he'd be the guy to bring the edge leadership he, that would hold 100%. people accountable. I loved it at the time, yeah. but I'm just saying I think you need to do something. I think you need to try and give this team an electronic shock to see if yeah. that works. And if it doesn't, then you just start to dump guys. I mean, you got a lot yeah. of guys you can trade. Well, the longer this goes, I mean, it's, you know, if, if something doesn't happen really quick, then you are going to be sellers. And then you look at, okay, can you get something for Cruz, Maeda? Yes. You know, those type players. I mean, I, I think Cruz would be valuable to, to Simmons play shortstop. Great yeah. glove. He'll help somebody. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But I, I think that that's the, la- I think the last ditch will be to try and do something that gives them a shock. And if they work. still and and well, or they're just bad, and then then you just start <laughs> to trade guys. And Cruz yeah. has to go, Hap has to go, Pineda has to go, Simmons has to go. Like, I mean, I can go down the list. I don't sure. think you, I don't think you could trade uh, 
Donaldson because I think you'd have to pick up too much of his contract. Well, he's got a huge, yeah. And Sano's got no value. And Sano, yeah, but I mean, it's like, all right, Polanco, Kepler. I mean, what happened to those two guys? I mean, Polanco has rebounded a little bit of late. A little but, bit. He started hit, yeah. But I have no idea. It, it, it's a great question. Those contracts look so team-friendly at one time. And now, and now they're not albatross contracts, but they're certainly not favorable to the team. Yeah, and, you know, I know Kepler hit a home run, what, yesterday? Or the a couple days ago. But what's... You know, no, I know. There, you know, I know it's a well, and and he he still hits for some power. Garver, I mean, yeah. Mitch Garver's not. He's a shadow of the player that he was two years and, back. And, and we, I think, most people knew that was going to be an outlier. You know, but not like this to me. Not like this. Correct. Yeah. All right, sir. Great stuff. I will talk to you next week, brother. All right, brother. We'll see you, man. Talk to you later. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.